0: Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts Caitlin and Kirsty. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick arse business strategies.
1: Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Pet Photographers Club. I'm Kirsty of Bits of Bernard Photography,
2: and I'm Caitlin of Ragamuffin Pet Photography. And today we have an exciting
1: guest for you for Season 1, Episode 8 of the Pet Photographers Club podcast.
2: Our guest today is another fellow Aussie photographer with almost 20 years of experience and a passion for sharing his knowledge. Not only does he run a booming weddings and portrait studio with his wife and three staff members, but he's also interviewed hundreds of successful photographers uncovering and sharing their business and marketing secrets with his Photo Biz Exposed podcast. He's a massive inspiration for us in the show. It's Andrew Helmut of Impact Images. Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club, Andrew.
1: <laughs> Thank you. What a lovely introduction. Thank you, ladies. Uh... So um, for our listeners who might not be familiar with you and your story, Andrew, um, how would you describe what you do? Oh,
0: wow. Um, well, I'm a photographer first. Yeah, big, big question. So I'm a photographer first. and But look, I guess slowly, uh, well, since I've started the podcast, which is almost five years ago now, uh, that's becoming a massive part of my life. So. We still have a successful photography business. We're still shooting weddings, portraits, uh, a fair bit of commercial work, Our sporting teams as well uh, with Linda, and we have some shooters and uh, a full-time staff member in Tanil as well. So along with that, we've got the podcast, Where well, I've got the podcast, and uh, like I said, that's taking up a massive part of my life now. So it's a bit of everything.
1: Mm, sounds hectic. So how much are you shooting, um, Andrew? Because you've got two people shooting for you, is that correct?
0: Yeah, we have, we have three different shooters and uh, we, we can call on a fourth one if we need them. So it depends on, on what's happening and uh, what what bookings are coming out. So I'll always do the commercial work wherever. Well, I should rephrase it. I, do, I get booked first uh, if it fits in with the schedule and then we go to associate shooters after that. So I was always booking myself for every single wedding and um, almost all the commercial shoots. And as X has grown, we tend to call more on the associate shooters for more and more of the jobs. So, yeah, it's just just changing and developing as we go.
2: I remember your website from years ago when uh, you and I first had our interview and I, like, did a bit of stalking for you and stuff, and it's changed so much over the years. Um, It's really cool to watch. So... In terms of like portraits, weddings, commercial, that sort of thing, where's sort of what you're most passionate about shooting?
0: Yeah, my, my passion has always been weddings. That's been the, the biggest yeah. part of, yeah, like right from the very start, 20 years ago, you know, I went out with another photographer, I carried his bags and I thought, yes, th- this is what I want to do. And that, that's what I chased, that's what I built up, that's what we got known for on the Central Coast. And you know, it was when I went full time with the wedding photography business. That's when I realized, okay, I've got to fill up some more of the days. So we we moved into portraits, and uh, and grew that side of the business too, which which I love doing. I love like the day in the life and 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 Kansas style shoots, but. Weddings was, you know, really what got me to, to that point and uh, got me into photography in the first place.
2: Um, actually, speaking of your day in the life shoots, because I was listening to one of your interviews the other day um, and you were interviewing another photographer who who does those and then I noticed that that's a service that you offer as well and I think it's sort of something that there's something there for pet photographers as well, but I haven't seen anyone really pursuing it. I've sort of lightly put it up on my website, but I haven't advertised it. Um, is it something that you get a fair amount of people booking?
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> no. So I, think, um, I think it's a growing genre and yeah. I, think photogra- I think photographers love it more I mean I possibly know about it more than the general public yeah so I think it's up to the photographers to get it out there I think it's a really it's a, it's a romantic style of photography yeah. where we, we get to be um I was gonna say, you know, like, a, like a newspaper reporter you know which is a bit sort of glamorous it sounds glamorous maybe if it's not but it sounds glamorous in the fact that you know you you can really be a fly on the wall and document a real day in the life in saying that Generally, if if you want to make these shoots successful, particularly if you're going to be going in, say for say two and three hour shoots instead of all day shoots, which I've done both of, and mm-hmm. you need to have a bit of a plan, you know. So if it's if you're talking about pets, it's yeah. Where do you normally go with your pet? What do you normally do? What's your routine? Let's let's fit something around what you would normally do. Um, so I've seen in your photos, Katie, you, you know, you do cooking with your dogs, yeah. and I, I know that's a bit <laughs> upshot. If, if you would, if I knew that your dog was around and you were doing something like that in real life, mm-hmm. and that would be an amazing sort of thing to catch up. But I guess mostly it's going to be, you know, going to the park, the beach, yeah. to the places that a pet owner would normally go with their dog.
2: See, so I feel like there's really something mm-hmm. interesting there for pet photographers just because in a – well, for me, in a portrait session, um, it – Typically I sort of do the same sort of thing time and again, like I have my same sort of set poses and there might be a little bit of creativity between shoots. Um, But generally it's the same sort of thing because you sort of, you have the time that you've set for it, you have a set location, that sort of thing. And I find it really interesting the idea of taking a more photojournalistic approach. I think it would be a bit um, sort of push me creatively, but yeah. Yeah. financial that was just me personally being interested in it
1: (laughs) (laughs) Andrew um do you think that they're not uh super popular because you're not pushing them or that there's just no demand because like I actually had um Joshua McHale who you interviewed yes Andrew quite a little while ago he photographed um my family and I went up on the the New South Wales coast um after I I heard his interview with you. I, I hired him. Um, so I love that style as well, but I don't offer it, which is funny because you two are both offering it. Um, but I think only photographers really know about it. So do you think that it's, yeah, it's just not popular because we're not promoting it?
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it's a bit of that. I think it, it is up to us to promote it and get it out and show those images on our websites and take bookings. But I think one of the biggest, uh, the, the scary part about get delving into that genre uh, or that specialty is you know, if we if all three of us go out and we let's say we book a session and, and, the, and the session fee is ninety five dollars, for example, uh, it could even be a free session for one of our third party marketing strategies and we go out there and spend an hour, maybe an hour and a half max on the shoot, we know we're going to come away with some great shots mm. and we're going to have saleable shots every single time. Whereas if you commit to a day the Life shoot, if you're going to be spending mm-hmm. four hours, say, and uh, you're charging $95 and there's a risk that you're not going to get amazing shots or the shots that uh, the client might be picturing in their head, you might not have a very big sale. You've outlaid a lot of time and effort for that shoot. So I think... It, it's scary to go into that into that genre, but I, I still think there's room to move. And talking about pets, I mean, when I think about we've got a little miniature schnauzer, and I think of the times that, um, you know, Linda's, Linda will be sitting on the couch and Roxy, our dog, will be up on um, up on Linda laying on her back with her legs spread and yeah. like, just watching TV. <laughs> but the sort of things that a photographer wouldn't normally capture, but I think that would be great in the Dana Live session because they're the things that we'll remember. Mm, when exactly.
2: Yeah, but, absolutely. They would make wonderful albums too, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. I'm gonna push I'm gonna pursue it a little bit more because I think it's something I would I personally would like. So then I, I find it a bit easier to sell something yeah. when I think it's when I'm thinking in my head, oh, I wish I could hire someone to do this for me. So um, yeah, it's interesting. All right, <laughs> complete pivot. <laughs> but doing a little bit more nosing around on your website. I was also really interested about your hundred strangers project and just the idea of doing a personal project in general how's that been going and what are your thoughts (laughs) on personal projects well
0: that was that was started because I felt like I was in a little bit of a funk with my photography and uh, I went through a stage it was quite a few years ago now um, that photography really just felt like a job like if Mm -hmm. I, I just I did not even want to pick up my camera unless I was getting paid to shoot because it felt like that's the only reason I was using the camera was to, to make money. Yeah. It was to, to feed the family, pay the mortgage, and every time I picked it up, it was for work. And it just became, I, I guess I lost the joy or the passion for the photography side and it mm-hmm. just became work. So uh, I think the the start of the change was starting the podcast and talking to other photographers who were passionate and excited about photography. And then I bought a little Fuji X100S back in the, back in the day when that was the, the current model. And I just um, – I, I, my, my love for photography was rejuvenated and I was excited about it. And then the, the, the project came after that. I was – I so wanted to have a project and uh, I always hear about these other photographers that have these amazing projects because they're passionate about something. <clears throat> Excuse me. And for me, I, I thought – I just – I didn't know what I was passionate about. I didn't know what I wanted to photograph. Mm-hmm. And then that I heard about the 100 Strangers project, thought I'd take that on. And, um, that, that fit, fit me. It was, it's challenging to approach a stranger. It's challenging to go and talk to a stranger and ask them for, for their photo. And that really pushed me. And, uh, but, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But it has, it's hit a bit of a, um, a stagnant stage. I need to get back in the future.
2: Oh. <laughs> Maybe this could be a little push. <laughs>
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> thanks <laughs> well, it's, it's beautiful work and I just I really um can relate to you there on that that sort of Spanky. trap that photographers can fall into of work just becoming work like I'll go on holiday I wouldn't ever dream of bringing my camera to go on holiday because in my head I'm like no I like I don't want to do that I'm on holiday um but I think that's a shame and we sort of forget to capture something and we lose that side of it that got us into photography in the first place. So that's a really, yeah. yeah
0: I agree. I think it's so easy to get so caught up in in the business side of mm. the photography that you forget about why you got into and you forget about the, the creativity and the passion that you have mm-hmm. for, the, for the art.
2: Do you have any recommendations for photographers sort of wanting to find something personal or
0: just? Well, I think something like the 100 Strangers Project, it doesn't have to be 100 either, you know, it could mm-hmm. be 10, it could be 20. But I think that's a, a wonderful way to to push yourself because I mean, it's, it's well for me personally. It's it sounds strange, but it's difficult to approach someone and start talking to them and then ask for their photo. Yeah. Um, but it, but I got I don't think I, I ever had a no from anyone that I approached. Really?
1: Wow.
0: Never, and it blows me away. And if you approach with a smile and start chatting and then tell them what you're doing, it's um, everyone is happy to do, it. and they'll they'll walk. 50 metres, you know, to a better spot where the light's nicer or where I see a nicer background or whatever. And and they share some amazing things. So that, that's a great project. But it's, it's easy for me to say, look, just do yeah. something you're passionate about, but this is an easy one, 100 strangers. It reminds so- mm-hmm. me
2: um, there's a photographer doing, um, like just to bring it back to pet photography, there's a photographer doing Dogs of New York, but I've seen yes. a lot of people doing something similar in their own areas which is essentially just when they are meeting dogs out and about and taking their portrait and then oh, sort of awesome
0: it. i couldn't think that would be even easier than yeah. photographing strangers. <laughs> and photograp- approaching a stranger saying can i get a photo of your dog from my project Who- no one's ever going to say yeah. no and then can you tell me something funny about your dog or tell me something interesting about your dog whatever tell me something about your dog and you've got mm-hmm. a blog post and, and a beautiful photo to go
2: with it yeah it'd be a great way to do it
1: are you? Um, do you have an end goal in mind of what you're going to do with this beautiful collection, or at the moment you're happy for it just to be a a running online series? Or
0: yeah, look, I, friends have said friends have said you've got to do something. With it. you've got to make it into a book, so look, it could be a very very simple book um, because the copy's there, the photos are there. But at mm-hmm. this stage, look, I'd be happy mm. to get to a hundred.
1: <laughs> yeah, great, great. Because <laughs> you know what, that's a great happened? goal.
0: The, the reason that, that I, I stagnated with it is because I, interview, I I photographed and got a story from this guy who just got out of jail. And it was an incredible story, incredible. Mm. Like it, it blew me away and I thought I'm never going to top this and I, I wanted to um. stop. Sn- I wanted to stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, not going to get better than this. Uh, so it's been hard to continue after that.
1: Well, maybe you need to uh, uh, alter your project scope a little bit or something then (laughs)
0: yeah I think I think it's me I just have to get out of that uh, and just
1: start so Andrew um sorry just go back to how you're saying earlier I'm going to move on from that topic a little bit um earlier you're saying that the podcast kind of and speaking to other photographers I guess reignited your passion for photography um I've also heard you know at the beginning of your podcast you always share what you've been doing in your business Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm always impressed actually to hear how much you implement based on what you've, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, recently heard from your guests and other sources. Can you tell us um, a bit about that? Like, you know, how do you stay motivated um, when, you know, there's so much you know, I guess, um, content that you'd is. be learning from every Yeah. Content. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's, I think in the beginning it was easy and it gets harder and harder. And I think this is one of the comments that I get from listeners and I, you girls will get this too, the same thing that's, um, wow, you know, there's so much, where do we start? What do we do? So for me, I mean, I interviewed mm-hmm. a, an internet marketer by the name of James Shramko and this guy is an absolute powerhouse. He's incredible. And I said, I gave him that question. And there's so much information. What do we do to, to filter out and find what's implement? And he said, look, it's super simple. You make a list and then you find the top three things in your list, which might be 10, 20, 50 items long, the top three things that are going to move the needle the most in your business and only work on those three. That is it. And you don't mm-hmm. add anything else in that list until one of those three is done, then you can move something else in there. So I, for me, yep. I pretty much take that approach and pick something that I think is going to work for me or that I'd like to try and I I put it into action.
1: Yeah, wow. That sounds super easy when you break it down like that.
2: (laughs) Sounds easy when you say it.
1: (laughs) So can you tell us about some of the things that have had the biggest impact on your business then, um, Andrew? Yeah, I think that uh, uh, without a
0: doubt the biggest one has been the Facebook ads that, uh, that I first heard about from Bernie Griffiths, who's a photography business coach. And uh, so he, he shared that one a couple of or a few years ago now and members and listeners and I, you know, we sort of tweaked the process and refined it and that, um, that has been absolutely mind-blowing. And the, what, what does blow my mind about that strategy is that it's worked for so many photographers in all mm-hmm. parts of the world. And So that, that's probably the biggest one. Um, when I interviewed Kristen Kaup and, uh, you know, she said to only show what you want to be selling on your website, and and get your personality across, and don't be afraid to push people away that don't fit into who you want to attract. Um, you know that was a, that was a big eye opener, and that was a scary thing to do as well. Because I'm always I've always been one of these people that I want to please everyone. So, <laughs> Caitlin, <it's>, Caitlin
1: <laughs> <do> you were you relate to that?
2: You're the same table. Of- oh, I'm. I'm a shocking people pleaser. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm the complete opposite. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, where are we, Kirsty? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is difficult. It, it's scary the idea of um, potentially pushing any any clients away or even saying anything that might be too vulnerable or a little bit um, iffy or whatever. So even just. I early stages was worried about being too vocal about sort of my thoughts on rescue and breeding and all that sort of stuff, because it can be a little bit controversial. And I was worried about pushing away breeders who might be potential clients until I wrapped my head around the fact that, well, probably there's a lot of those sorts of people that I don't actually want to work with. And it's okay Mm -hmm. for me to be really vocal about um, my opinions on that and for that to push some people away, but for it to bring some people in. So yeah. It is scary though. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I agree. I think even on a even on a a lot more simple Mm -hmm. or lower level is just the language that you have on your website. So Kristen, you know, she she swears a lot. Like she drops the F bomb left, right, and centre. And uh she she has those words on her website in her emails. And that's something that um yeah I I would never dream of doing uh well I never would have dreamt of doing Point. I don't generally speak like that, but occasionally in conversation I will drop the F-bomb and then I realize, look, it's okay to drop it if it fits mm-hmm. when I would say mm-hmm. it naturally if I want to. Um, yeah, And I might use some um, um, hieroglyphics instead of it spelling out the actual word if it's going on an email because it might get um, picked up uh, by a filter or something, but it's okay to express the way you really are to your true clients.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Andrew, um, just backing up a little bit. You mentioned the Facebook um, ads a promo that Bernie Griffiths, in, Griffiths introduced. Um, we know you've got a whole course about that, but um, just for the listeners, are you able to give a brief overview of the strategy? Um, just for those who aren't yep. familiar.
0: Absolutely, sure. So, so it's basically advertising for free sessions. So you're, you're looking to you're looking to uh, do something in your business to to help you So you want to either maybe trial some new locations. You want to try some new techniques. You, you're looking to move into a new genre. So let's say me, I'm not a pet photographer. I want to move in and trial pet photography. So I'm going to say something like I'm looking for, uh, people with uh, miniature schnauzers and I've got five, five free shoots to give away. they will have the option to purchase more prints after the session if they like. Um, tag and share with your friends who own a miniature schnauzer so that's basically the gist of the ad and people then apply to have their their photos taken for this free shoot and then we'll go through and do um i guess not i won't say a cull but we're trying to find that the right clients who apply uh, respond to the ad that want the free shoot that i think and I'm pretty sure we'll spend more money on extra prints afterwards and then we book those people in. Mm-hmm. And you now I've done this for kids. I've done, the very first time I did this was for kids with their pet dog and I'm not a pet photographer and I booked uh, 23 sessions
2: wow. from
0: that one ad that I created on the fly which just blew me away. So I knew then they were on something great.
2: And what were their sales like from those sessions?
0: Yeah, they weren't amazing. So I used, we used an as associate photographer for most of mm-hmm. those shoots. So the, the average was uh, just over $600 for the 23 shoots.
2: That's not terrible either.
0: Yeah. No, it, it isn't terrible. So a lot of photographers think, you know, you've got to be making two and $3,000 from a shoot, but a lot of photographers would be happy with a $600 average.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, especially if they're doing 23 shoots that month when they would have otherwise been doing two.
0: Exactly. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It gets you busy. It gets you working. It gets you practicing your sales strategies, making your phone calls. Um, yeah, look, some people will say you're better off to do two shoots and make um, you know $3,000 per shoot. I'm one of those. But if you haven't got the work, you've got to be doing something. Yeah, (laughs)
2: exactly. I was just thinking, um, so for me personally, I have two different sessions that I offer. I've got full sessions and pocket sessions, which are like a mini session. For my pocket sessions, the average sale is around $900 because I'm more than happy to do those because I do them just down the road at the park, just down the road from where I live, and they're a sort of 20- to 30-minute session. So they're easy to fit in around other clients or um, just to slot into my week and I do online sales for them instead of having a whole in-person sale thing. So I think if I did something like the Facebook ads course and I had the sessions or for people listening and had the sessions more like that, so you're not traveling very far away, you're not putting as much time in as you would put a full session, then you're not worried about that lower sale so yeah i find that really interesting strategy yeah and i
0: agree like if you you are shooting close Mm. to home if these are simple shoots they're not taking long then yeah yeah why not they're great little fillers they they fit around your timetable and 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 when i say that's an average so there are some no sales in those shoes because some people do like in that very early stage i didn't really know what i was doing as far as uh sorting out the best prospects from all the prospects so we've refined that a lot more now so the averages go up and you get better at selecting the right people to photograph that are actually interested in buying more after the shoot
2: are you just Mm -hmm. going on your gut instinct there because i can imagine that would be Mm -hmm. really difficult
0: Yes. In the beginning, it was just like, I'll just shoot everyone. This is going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) And so now, now there's different processes. So from there, I went to phone calls. And so we would actually talk to the client, talk about products, talk about what they were to do with the photos, if anything afterwards, when, whenever they had uh, another professional photo shoot, um, what do they like about it? So just getting an idea about the personality of the person Mm -hmm. and if they're likely to spend Some people, because of the the way the ad was structured. Some people thought, well, I thought I was just doing you a favour, but if you've got other people applying, that's fine. I was just helping you out. So those Mm -hmm. people we wouldn't photograph anymore. It becomes a bit of an art. Well, it's not really an art. There's a structure now to sorting out who the best people are. If we're going for engaged couples, for example, we'll have a questionnaire and and ask those questions. Uh, A more advanced strategy is to use uh, Facebook Messenger automation and people will go through that automation without me having any involvement And then they will sort themselves out into people whether they are likely to buy more after the shoot or not. And those people that aren't get culled away and they go into an email list if they're they're happy to be added to an email list. The ones that pass through the full sequence, they schedule a call and then we'll take them to the next step.
1: That actually uh, leads on quite nicely actually um, from the Facebook ads because from that you ended up working with Nick Peel, is that right, to create a... uh... A online photography sales masterclass.
0: Yeah, so yeah, it did. So Nick is a, a full time. He has a full time job in Sydney, a great job. He loves his job, but he also loves photography. And he said, you know, there's no way I'm leaving my job. It's it's too important. I love it. Uh, it pays well, and there's great benefits with the job. But he also loves photography, and the extra income helps because he has four kids, and his wife is a, a stay at home mum. So he needed a way to make sales or he wanted a way to make sales from photography that didn't take a whole lot of time. So he was getting all these leads and these shoots from the Facebook ads and he came up with his online sales strategy, which just went amazingly mm-hmm. well for him. We got talking and uh, he, he was sharing that he was having success with the Facebook ads first. And then he he explained that he he, couldn't, he didn't want to do in-person sales. It was just too time consuming. He only had the weekend. He didn't want to have any more time away from his family. But he wanted to generate some income, and he had tried online sales in the past. So when he when he told me that he was getting these amazing well, he's getting thousand dollar averages every single shoot for online sales that were coming via Facebook ads. These shoes. So then I said, okay, we got to do an interview. So I interviewed him, and when I went into detail in that interview, I thought, okay, every anyone that wants to do what you're doing will want to learn this. So then we created a course. From what he'd learned, I implemented what he taught and what he shared with me. It worked for me too, so I thought, okay, we've got something here. And uh, that's when we created the course and, and put it out there.
2: Yeah, I've just done this course um, right before I left on my holiday. I went through and read it all just because um, for, for my pocket sessions and stuff, I do the online sales. So I was really interested to see um, what it's got there. So I haven't had the first client Go through the new pricing and everything yet, but I'll definitely report back. But it is really interesting and just the sort of some of the strategies that um, you guys went into and different thoughts on pricing and stuff was, yeah, really interesting. Sorry, go, go ahead, Kirstie.
1: Yeah. So I was just going to ask a bit more like, who is that for? Because most photographers um, either are selling through in in-person sales or are working towards wanting to sell through in in-person sales, right? Because we all hear that that's where the money can be made the most um but there's also that like you were saying about nick like there's a lot of um photographers out there who aren't in the position to be doing in-person sales or are just not interested in it or whatever the reason is those people often feeling sort of pressured to still go into the in-person sales so who yeah who is this yeah online masterclass for and how will it help them
0: yeah well I, i agree with you Christian and look I, I am one of those photographers that will say exactly what I'm sure both of you say or suggest is that photographers move into in person sales because that is where you can generate more income. You you can sell more products, you can sell larger products, you can you can make more money doing in person sales. So the 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 online sales strategies that we cover in the course and in that interview is for anyone that isn't doing in-person sales yet. It's for someone that doesn't want to do in-person sales because it doesn't fit in with their lifestyle. Maybe they do have a full-time job. Maybe they're just getting into photography. Maybe they want to see if they can generate income from their photography before they throw in the full-time job or take it further. It could also be for, for anyone that wants to just test the waters and, and see if they can make a go of the photography. And it can also be for you can use the pricing strategies that we talk about in the course and I can share with you now for your in-person sales as well. Like it's, I don't think it, it's not for the, the full-time photographer that's been in business for years that he's doing great with in, in-person sales. It's for someone that's okay. moving in that direction. Um, the other time it's really good is if you're in a, a situation where you are travelling and shooting,
1: Kirsty.
2: <laughs> <laughs> travelling
0: and, and you don't want to be hanging around or spending time. While you're in these places doing the in-person sales, or if you have clients coming to your area for shoots that are on holidays, so a classic example, I live in Terrigal. We have people come here for holidays. Someone might book a shoot and then they go back to Sydney or where they live, and they're not going to come back for an in-person sales session. So that's going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Nick's, sorry, not in Nick's case. In um, in Ian's case, who I think you're going to talk about later, Kirsty and Sim, he's planning a trip to Noosa. So he's, he's running a Facebook ad for Noosa, so targeting clients in Noosa where he's going for holidays with his family. Ah. He doesn't want to do in-person sales. He only wants to do a few shoots and then he's going to do the online sales after that. So this hasn't happened yet but this is the plan. So that's going to be, I think, a great, uh, a great one to watch because I think that's a great idea for how to use the Facebook ads and online sales together.
1: Co- combined, yeah. You just mentioned um, that there's a particular structure, and I, I know you've got a whole course, and um, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, but if you can just briefly touch on that, yeah,
0: sure, sure. Thing with the pricing, look, it's not it's not rocket science. So what you want to be doing is leading people to your top package, and this is which is what we all want to do, I guess. If you're doing in-person sales, you might have a package that almost no one buys, but with online sales, with the goal that we cover in the course is to lead people to your top package. You want them to take everything and you're really focused on selling the digital files more than products. So you're looking to make, I guess, I don't want to sound sleazy, but you're trying to make a quick and easy sale Mm -hmm. to generate some income from your photography. So to do that, you need to have your pricing tiered in a way that leads people to that top package. So, for example, you might price a single digital file uh, at $300, which sounds like a lot. But you need to be charging that if someone, if someone buys, if someone really does come away and want to buy one digital file only, you need to be making something worthwhile from that for giving up that time to do that shoot. So let's say that was $300. Then your yep. next package or collection of digital files, which you might include five or ten, that would say go to something like $700. So it's not a big jump from $300 to $700, but you get a lot more for your money. And then the top package and this example might be uh, you know a thousand and ninety-five or eleven hundred dollars. So again, and in this case, you get all the digital files. So it's not a big leap to go from that seven hundred to eleven hundred, and you get a lot more for it. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. I actually have that exact same um, pricing structure for my digital files. Actually, so I've got. You can have three for nine ninety six for fifteen hundred or all for nineteen ninety, um, and the yeah. all comes with five five by sevens. And the whole point is because I don't want to sell under nine ninety. So you can have the rip off option and just get three, or for a little bit more, you can have all or double, but still, um, which obviously per image is a lot cheaper. So I can see how like that works for me, and I'm doing in person sales where half of my clients are buying digitals and half are buying product. Um, but I can see, if, like you know, that's working for me, and I'm a pet photographer um, in in-person sales, so I can definitely understand how that would translate into um, into online sales. And then, do you? There's something in your course also about um, a time, uh, um, some sort of urgency as well, isn't there? Like a discount or
0: yeah, yeah. yeah just just with the prices, Kirsty. So what, what you're saying is so true. So you're you're at a different level or a different stage of. You know, maybe some listeners, and you can have a sliding scale with using the same strategy. You know, like you, you said, you'll start at nine ninety nine or nine ninety five. You yep. can start at three hundred or nine ninety five. You can go up to four thousand, or you can go up to one thousand. So you, the listener can make this work for them, and it will work in person or online.
1: Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. That's a good point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and. Uh, because I think that the scary thing is for some photographers, if they're coming into photography as a business, they, they hear photographers like you and like Caitlin, you know, with $4,000 payage, it, it's, it's scary. It's like how am, how am I ever going to get to that? You know, I, I'm lucky to have mm-hmm. a $300 sale at the moment. And I think um, it's important to understand you don't have to start at $4,000. You can start at yeah. dollars um, in, in regard to your question about time sensitivity, yes, yeah, so we – we encourage the photographers that are using this strategy to have a time-sensitive bonus. So we'll actually have 30% off if they purchase within 48 hours. Now you can play around with those percentages, you can play around with those times, but this is what Nick has found works the best for him. So 30% off for 48 hours. So he, the clients know this. They know beforehand when they go into the session, they know at the session or after, immediately after the session and then they get reminded when the digital files are available to purchase when they go on, online. And then he also sends a text message just before that 48 hours is up, just that last reminder, maybe a few hours before, to make sure. And that's when most of the sales come in because people want, want that discount.
1: So when he's um, creating his price list, he would be basing that off everybody paying the discounted price. Right. Yes.
0: Yes. So yeah. then the, so so if you use something like Pixie Set, Pixie Set is the best the best platform for these online sales. If you're going to be following this strategy, because it allows you to have multiple price lists, which it makes it super simple to do this. Most things like um, oh, there's there's other there's what's the new one that's out there? I can't even, pick time. I think it is. Um, there's a, there's a few out there where you can sell online. Pixie Set is the easiest to set up with multiple price lists. And for okay. different packages.
2: Good tip. Thank you. Definitely good tip. I'm with Shoe at the moment, but I'm not in love with it. Yeah, me <laughs> too.
0: Okay, so Shoe Proof works, but it's, you've got to do things manually, a lot more manually to change the prices.
2: Yeah, yes. that's what I'm finding. Yeah. So, yeah, I might yeah. look into Pixie Set. It's definitely interesting.
0: Having that time sensitivity really makes a difference. It, put, it pushes people to, to take action and actually get in and make their order.
2: Yeah, Definitely. definitely. I'm sort of trying to work out for me personally because I think that's such an interesting strategy. But obviously, because I do have some clients who do in-person sales, I'm wary about um, rewarding the clients who... Uh, buying their orders online. Um, if there's not some sort of offer that's also available for the person doing in-person sales, but as you're a chat, and I was thinking it would be something similar to if you can pay in full today, then yes, blah, blah, blah. sounds like. Yes. So I might do that. That makes exactly. sense. Cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always.
1: I'm hesitant. <laughs> I'm hesitant about that um, as well, Katie, because. Um I always feel bad for like so I'm rewarding the people for paying in full, which is great, mm-hmm. but then it's quite a negative thing then for the people on a payment plan, like and I'm yeah. like, Oh, I don't I don't want to be like, oh sorry, you can't afford me, so now you're getting, you know, charge extra.
2: Although in saying that, so um little side thing, but I'm doing, I'm paying off a, uh, dog training course that I'm about to start doing. And they had, it's quite expensive. It's like a $4,000 course. And they had two options. Uh, It's going to make me a certified dog trainer at the end. It's not just a funsies one. Um, but they had two options. So they had, I could do a payment plan, um, or I could pay it in, full via bank transfer and I got the discount and I didn't read into the specifications first. So at first I was like, oh great, they've got payment plans. I'll just do that because cash flow wise, that's easier. And then I read that, oh no, I do get a little bit of a discount if I just pay it in full. Mm, Okay. I'll move some things around and I'll just pay it in full. Um, And I didn't feel like I was being punished. It just made sense. I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense rather than it being the payment plan and they were doing it through something like strategy. Um, so makes sense that they would make a smaller profit as well. They would be having to pay to run that service. Um, so yeah, I never felt as a client, I never felt like I was being punished for picking the payment plan. I just felt like, Oh great. Here's an option for me to save a bit of money. I'll pay it in full. Yeah. I think that's how most clients would Feel.
0: I agree. I, I, I think anywhere we go shopping, whether it's online or in uh, out in, in the in the real world, if uh, mm-hmm. if we pay in full uh, some of the shops they, they say it's less for cash. You know, you yeah. pay, pay now, it's cheaper. Uh, I, I think just about anything online, if you purchase in one hit up front, you get a discount.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think, no, I think-
0: I do I do it with my membership. You know, you pay for twelve months, you you save 40%. percent hmm Yeah, I, and no one's ever no one's ever said, "Oh, that's not fair because I can't pay him one." Yeah, self.
2: do you have anything like that that you offer to your clients, Andrew, in the photography side?
0: Yeah, exactly what he, what um, what Nick's taught in his class. So I did exactly exactly what te- he teaches in the course is what I've done for my clients. It's, it's been fine. No one's ever complained, but I can I can tell you that the biggest hang up is with the photographers that implement this stuff. So the, the, the number one the number one thing I get. Because, and I mean, even we do, even we just said it. We said, Oh, we're worried about what our clients will think. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, just, us. <laughs> that's, that's, that's just us, isn't it? Like, that's
1: just I was just gonna say, I think my concern is that, um, well, actually, this has changed since I introduced Payright, but um, before then, probably 70% of my clients were on payment plan, and um, only 30% were what I. I thought only 30% were in a position to pay up front. But what I've since discovered is, no, 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 30% were just like, it was easy for them to pay up front. And the other 70% were like, oh, this is great. I'll keep them, I'll keep, you know, my money in my high interest savings account and uh, let Kirsty pay for the, the 12 months that she's not ordering the product. So as soon as I've changed that around, my client's like, oh, if it's costing me more to to pay it off i'll just pay in full i'm like oh all this time you all could have been paying in full my cash flow would be much much better yes (laughs) so
2: it's definitely in our head i found exactly the same thing kirsty i was certain that um i had so many people on payment plans because they couldn't pay it and it turns out now that I'm also with PayRight and there's just that little account fee. It's not huge but it's a that little bit of account fee um, and people go, oh, mm, mm, mm. like I sit there and watch them on the couch and they um and are about it and then go, oh, you know what, we'll just pay it in full. Yeah. I'll just put a credit card. card. Okay. <laughs> I'll your bank
1: instead of you. <laughs> okay, great.
2: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do think we get, we get so concerned and so worried that um, – Making it easy for our clients. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if they want it, they'll make it work. I,
0: want, I really want to get across that the, the one big thing that photographers get hung up on with this particular pricing strategy that we've been talking about is, for example, if we, if we say that one digital file is $300, the, the newer photographer thinks, how can I charge $300 for one photo, one file? That, that's just crazy. And then if they buy all of them, it's only $1,000. That means One's three hundred dollars, the other one's ten dollars or, or fifty dollars. You know, and they, they trying to they're trying to do the math to justify the price in their mm-hmm. heads. Where we don't need to do that. That's the price. You're the photographer, you're the business owner, you set the prices. So it's three hundred dollars for one, it's a thousand dollars for all of them, or, or whatever you want to set them up.
2: I actually don't sell single digital files. Because in my head, I'd have to price it at thousand dollars, for example. Um, I guess yeah. I could chuck that in there because I do have people occasionally say, "Oh, wait, so I can I I actually only sell the USB. I don't sell single digital files. I don't sell five for blah, blah, blah. It's you get the USB or you get prints. Um, but it would be interesting to have a little experiment and see how that goes. Um, trying out having that there at least and see. Sort of how the clients respond to there being a single digital file or the the multiple one and giving it a little bit more value there.
0: Yeah, I think the whole the whole idea is that no one buys the single digital yeah, file. Yeah, precisely. don't want anyone to buy it, but you have that there as a step, a, a really a simple step to take them from there to the second package, and and even more more simple step to take them to the top package. Mm-hmm. That's that's the only reason it's there. We don't really want anyone to buy the single digital. But if someone really wants it, they've got to pay for it. Yeah. And at, least, at least some of the time's covered if they're coming through, let's say, a free session from a Facebook ad, at least I've got $300 for that one hour or that half hour that I spent with them doing the shoot.
2: Yeah, and zero cost of goods. Yeah,
0: that's zero cost of goods.
2: Uh,
1: so, Andrew, you're selling mostly in person and are you doing any online?
0: Yes, so I did some online. Yeah, so we because we have when, – when I run a promo – I'm not doing a lot of those shoots, so we have an associate shooter. So some of those we are doing online. Some because I, I wanted to put the course to the test and see how that went. And then, so some of, if we can, we're going to do in-person sales most of the time. And because of where I live on in Terrigal, sometimes we, it is difficult to do mm-hmm. an in-person sale with Someone that's say visiting the area, uh, then we'll then we'll put this online sales strategy to act into action
1: and are you selling the do you have the exact same price list for online sales as um in person no
0: totally separate
1: so different
2: products
0: different products because the online sales is digital file only i don't even sell the products
2: (laughs) really i
0: I wanted to use nick's course as it is to see how it
2: works so i find that really interesting (laughs) um so are you giving the client the option of do you want it online we sell only digital files online or would you like to come in?
0: Yeah, well, like I say, it's a little bit different for me because when when I when we created the course, I wanted to put it to the test. So we ran we ran mm-hmm. a Facebook ad and then we just we just did online sales just to test it out. Right. Uh, I wanted to see if it worked.
1: So you're not doing it moving forward?
0: Well, I'll do it for some clients. So for the client that can't come in, because for, for me personally, in-person sales are better. Yeah. I'll, I'll make more. Yeah. But I wanted to see if this stuff works before I put it out there and share it with other people, so I had to test it. But this is one of the cases where I've heard, heard, okay. heard an idea and thought, okay, I'm going to try that in my business, but even though it, it may not have been as profitable as in-person sales could have been for us. But, you know, it wasn't a big – it's not a big loss because I ran a Facebook ad which cost me 30 or $40. I had an associate shoot to do the shoots, and then we did an online sales session. So there is some staffing costs uh, and some time involved. But it was a great test.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting.
0: But 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 we're going to do in-person sales where
2: possible, right? Why do you believe that the in-person sales work so much more? What's your opinion there?
0: Oh, I I think that you know the the client comes in, they they see the photos on the wall. They, there's one to one, like it almost becomes like um, we're solving a problem for the client. We are we're, we're trying to find out what they want from these photos for the for their home uh, or, or to give away as gifts. And then we help them find what exactly they want and give that to them. So it's it's, it's a lot more. It's more of a personalized service, and mm-hmm. they can they can see what they're getting.
2: Do you mean because you've got samples everywhere?
0: Yeah, there's samples on the wall. There's things hanging up, and you know, and they are the things that you usually sell. Right. What's on display is what you usually in the same size as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. What do you sell the most of then?
0: So our. The, we have a, what we call a story portrait, which is one large image with the three smaller images inside the same frame. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, can be a horizontal with um, three photos underneath or a vertical with three other photos down the side. So it just depends on the layout, but that's probably our most popular product that goes out.
1: So, Andrew, um, I just wanted to ask you a bit more about your um, sales. So I know probably at least some of the listeners would be just moving into in-person sales. Um, so when you're very first... S- starting out with in-person sales, um, what do you think are the absolute requirements? So you've mentioned samples.
0: Absolutely, samples. So you want you, if you can have samples hanging on the wall, uh, I think that newer photographers try and have too many products too quickly. So mm-hmm. they want to they have canvases, they want to have acrylics, they want to have metal prints, they want to have frame prints.
1: Shiny object syndrome a little too, bit. Too, yeah, too many.
0: And it's too hard to sell and it costs you too much to get set up, particularly if you want different sizes. It's like if you look at your pricing, it's generally going to be framed prints that have the most profit for you. Maybe maybe that on canvases, but some people don't like canvases. Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, I would go for one or both of those. Forget about the metal prints or have the pricing if you want them on your price list, but don't make it something you need to push. Um, I know like acrylic blocks were, were really popular there for a while, but if you look at the cost of goods, no one's selling them at a high enough price to make good money from them. Like you're much better Mm -hmm. off selling a frame print. So, yeah, that's not going to work. That's right. I I do love the acrylic prints, but they have to be. They've got to be expensive for me to sell them. Otherwise, it's not worth me selling them.
1: So, what are you selling, sorry, Andrew? Um, frames. Frame
0: prints. Frame prints mainly.
1: That's it. No, no canvases. No, no we do
0: so we do. Yeah, we do offer canvases, but they very rarely go out the door. Even though we do have some on the wall, most of our clients, they, they see our frame story portrait prints so and we want that. Or, or what we call a trilogy, which is three photos in a, in a frame.
2: Oh, I like the name trilogy.
0: <laughs> trilogy instead of triptych. I don't like triptych.
2: I don't like it either. It sounds like I'm falling. I think it's a, <laughs> I think
0: it's a Melbourne thing. I, think it's a Melbourne thing. Uh, <laughs> I
2: don't
0: know. but We call them a trilogy.
1: Are they priced at the same point?
0: No, same price. So yeah, frame print or canvases. So we used to have we used to have like a percentage difference, and we had all these. It's just too confused. We got confused. We'd be getting our prices and go, hang on, which one's this now?
1: Oh, me too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And like, this is crazy. If we can't remember and know, how's the client? How can we sell it? So canvases and frame prints, same price.
2: And do you sell um, unframed prints?
0: We do, but we don't like to. So that price list only has frame prints on the price list.
2: Oh, that's clever.
0: So if someone wants something unframed, so they might say, look, we've got to post this overseas or Mm -hmm. we have a frame that we're going to be using, taking an old photo out of, then we'll bring out a separate price list from under the table say, okay. We can do it at this. Right. It's basically just less less the framing cost.
1: You've actually got price list. That's clever because I just make it up on the fly. I'm like, just oh, knock. I just knock off a hundred bucks. Like, do you really? Yeah, I'm always doing that.
2: you give me anxiety.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Control freak Caitlin can't handle that. <laughs>
0: but I think too. I think in your case, Kirsty, because you're doing the shooting and the sales, I think that's you can get away with that. But if you if you put someone on to do your sales for you, there's no way you would let them make True. it up.
1: No, <laughs> true, true, true. But I, I, I would love to put somebody else on for the sales because then I would not have to be in Adelaide as often. But uh, as often, like being here for six months of the year, is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, um, but I just can't. Like I don't think I could train somebody to do the exact same thing that I do. Do you have anyone else ever do your sales, I, Andrew?
0: I never sell my own stuff. I'm a hopeless salesperson.
1: Really? Yeah. You never sell your own stuff? Oh, tell us about that, please. I know we're running out of time, but I would love to hear about that if you're happy to talk about that.
0: Yeah, yeah it's, it's, no, it's no secret and there's no, it's no like um, crazy Strange strategy. We we have a studio assistant, so uh, Tanil, and she does the sales. We just yep. we taught her how to do the sales. We we're in the same room often, so we get to listen in and we get to um, I guess analyze what she says when the client says this. Did you we heard you say that? Maybe try this next time, and so we just re- re- refine.
1: Oh, can the client see you? Well,
0: yeah, because we when we're working in the downstairs studio, so Linda or I might actually be working in the same room. While they're doing the sales session, it's, it's fine. So we let them go through the the, the um, viewing the slideshow first, and getting comfortable, having a drink, and um, you know getting settled and talking about the shoot. And then Tanil, once they actually get into the actual sales process, they're in front of the monitor, and we also have some printed six by fours as well. And they um, and then they go through the sales process, and we're, we're quite happy to come back into the room at that stage, and we just. Yeah, we've got our backs to them and we're doing our work on our own computers and they're doing the sale.
1: Do the client ever turn to you and say, What do you think, Andrew?
0: Occasionally, a very occasionally. If, if I hear they're getting stuck and I'm in the room, I'll come over and I'll make a decision and I'll just give a reason why I think one's better than the other. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. The, the client will go with my, my decision most of the time,
1: mm-hmm. well, all the time. <laughs> well, that's inspiring. <laughs> Like <laughs> I couldn't let go of the sales. That's the one thing I couldn't let go of. And I don't know any other photographer that's done that. Really?
0: I think if you, if you're there and you're teaching them how to to handle the sales process, and you're following up after each session, especially in the beginning, uh, it works.
1: I think the reason I've um, always been hesitant is because I actually feel that that's the part I'm the best at of the entire business and all the different hats you have to wear as a, a small business owner. I feel like the selling part is my jam. Right. (laughs) And so I'm like, well, if that's the part I'm good at, like, I'm happy to give up the shooting. That's okay. Don't tell my clients that that's okay. (laughs) But, um, the, and the edit I'm happy to outsource that and the phone calls outsource that's fine. But the selling, I think I really enjoy it actually, but it does mean that I have to be here. So, um, if I'm the, if that's the part that I'm the best at, then that should be the part I should be able to teach easily, easily too, actually, now that you've said that. so.
2: But You're going to have to be in Adelaide for something of your business. <laughs> do I? Do I?
1: <laughs> Franchise it.
0: Franchise it. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. That's what you're essentially describing that you'd like to do.
0: Uh, but I don't want to completely do that. So, but Kirsten, listening to what you're saying, Kirsty, if that is the best thing that that's the thing that you're the best at, and you enjoy the most.
1: I would say. Yeah. That you yeah, that's true. So, Good point. Well, I've just made this all about me, haven't I? <laughs> 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 Sorry, guys. Cool. <laughs> uh, and just, well,
0: I should just say quickly too. So, I, we, Linda and I. This is Linda's my wife. Uh, we pay to a commission, and we pay the associate shooter a commission if the sale goes over a thousand dollars as well. Mm. So, so they're not overly pushy. But they know they're aiming for targets. So if the sale yes. goes over $1,000, they'll take five. she takes 5%, the shooter takes 5% for anything above $1,000. That's a
1: clever way to do that. Oh, yes. I have heard you say that before, actually. Great. So um, sorry, I just stole the show a little bit, but you were telling us a sale uh, for in-person sales. So you said samples.
0: Okay. Sim- samples and a simple price list. Yeah, don't, great. Don't get caught up with having a, a, every size. You can have anything up to an 8x12 is this much or a 14x11. Anything up to a 16 by 24 is this much. Anything up to a 40 by 50 is this much. Yeah. And that's, you know, I keep it simple. Make it easy to sell, make it easy for the client to buy. That's yeah.
2: super simple. I am going to, my my one thing I'm implementing, I'm going to try taking off unframed prints because they're such a pain Um when clients sort of have those two, because I have framed slash canvas prints as one pricing option and then the unframed prints as the other pricing option. And then obviously there's a whole discussion of, okay, so these are the more expensive ones, blah, blah, blah. Not that that's how I would word it. Um, but I do think it's really interesting that you just don't have those on there. Obviously I would have some clients requesting it. No, you won't. No one requests it from me, Katie. Really? You do You only sell framed as well. Yeah, frame or Canvas is it. Oh, well, there you go. You've rocked my business today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can, can, I, can I give one last little tip to the listener? So if, for some, if someone's starting out and, and you are offering just frame prints, like like all three of us are, then uh, you don't need to have a custom frame for a 5x7 mm. or 8x12. You can, you can buy those uh, in bulk or, you know, just off the shelf as you need them from. Uh, we, we use a company called Profile Products in Sydney, but they'll be framing um, wholesalers around the world. And we buy them in boxes of, I think it's 10 or 20. And we buy chocolate, uh, light tan, and black to, to take five by sevens and eight by 12s. And we just put those in ourselves. And they are super cheap. Yeah. They look great. And uh, you're not paying for custom frames. So you've got a low cost of goods, great profit.
1: Yeah, that's a great tip. I should actually add, sorry, that I do have three unframed ones, but they're five by seven, seven by ten, and twelve by sixteen. So they're not wall art; they're gift prints. Right. Um, they're matted and mounted gift prints, but um, nobody buys those for their wall. They buy them for gift prints. Yeah, for the wall is canvas or frame. Um, so, Andrew, what other products are you selling? Uh, came uh, framed canvas
0: well the, the, you mentioned the gift boxes they are popular for us too but it's funny i need to another photographer and you just said the same thing Kirsty, that you you sell those as something to go on display do you sell them for display,
1: for gifts or for um, um yeah. like a sideboard or something like that but they're an additional yeah. add-on that um they're not a, a standalone product
0: Right. Okay. So yeah, we include them in packages, but we I think we have we do have them as a standalone product. But I when I push them or when we sell them, we say that they are ready to frame. So that's what I say. They're ready to go in. Okay. Right. Because I heard other photographers selling them as they get left in the box. I'm thinking, well, I don't reckon that'd be as easy to sell.
1: No. Oh, so I don't sell them in a box. That I just call them gift prints, and they're individual.
0: Okay. And that's come kind of in a nice little box. Right. So, but some photographers are spending, you know, as much or more on the box than they are on the matted prints <laughs> and the box is becoming the feature.
1: Mm, that's
0: weird. I don't know if you heard me mention that we, we have some printed six-by-fours from the session as well yeah, after session. Yeah. So we, we have those there. We, we did try selling just off the six-by-fours after I interviewed Kristen Capps. So this yeah. is one of the things I heard and
2: tried. I was going to say that's very sales without shame.
0: So we've we've adapted that. So now we have a, a, um, a small collection of our favorite prints, printed as six by fours with a nice little border, and we give those we give those to the clients if they spend over a thousand dollars and they pay on the day. If they don't pay on the day, then they don't get them.
1: Mm, I used um, to do that. Maybe I should bring that. So it's it's a, it's a pretty
0: simple thing. It's not expensive, and it's a nice little gesture. They, it's a nice incentive, and they walk out with something
2: something mm-hmm. nice and tangible you know where that would be a struggle for pet photographers is or at least for me is that um the images that i'm showing at the session haven't had the leashes removed yet but it's still you could still be selecting a few that didn't have the leashes and that sort of thing yeah, you guys, can you shoot some off the leash type shots on at most sessions Not at most sessions, to be honest. Oh, right, okay. I would say a good 85% of my sessions are dogs on the leash the entire time. Um, I can have some pretty crazy dogs.
0: (laughs) I I still think your clients would would love to walk out with, say, you know, five or ten prints, you know, with, with the leashes.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're not paying for it, are they? So it's gift's a gift, yeah. That's right.
0: No, it's just a little thing, something to walk away
2: with. Yeah. You could
1: sell it as um, something to enjoy until um, your actual order arrives.
2: Yeah, that's cool. Yes. Well, I'm very wary of um, taking up too much more of your time, but we do like to wrap up our interviews by asking, um, Andrew, what does success mean to you personally?
0: Uh, well, for me, it's to, to have the lifestyle that I want to live. So, you know, and, that, and that's going to be personal to me. It's going to be different to you. Uh, for me personally, it's um, the ability to, to go traveling and spend time with my family, all the cliche things I think that a lot of people would say. But if I, I can live the life that I want through my photography, that's that's success. Great.
1: And uh, how should our listeners find you, Andrew? Uh, the easiest
0: and best place is at photobusex.com.
2: Easy peasy. We're both long-time members, so we can definitely both attest to the fact that the podcast is brilliant, and the the Facebook group too is a really awesome community. So thank you so much for everything that you've been giving back to photographers in general, Andrew. You're an absolute superstar. And also, thank you for coming on the podcast today.
0: Absolutely, my pleasure. I uh, I was rapt to get asked, and uh, I'm wishing you guys every success. I know you're going to have an amazing ride with the podcast and with your listeners and members. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to following along. And congratulations on getting it going.
1: Thank you so much, Andrew. Thanks a lot. (laughs) So that was Andrew of Impact Images and Photobiz Exposed with a jam-packed episode and lots of actionable content for you to take away. I'm personally interested in all Andrew discussed about the Facebook ad strategy and combining that with Facebook Messenger Automation.
2: That could be like your um, the dog of the year competition. So for listeners who don't know, Kirstie came up with this competition strategy that, brings in new clients who are basically just referred from their existing clients. So I won't go, like, too far into it because she sells a whole step-by-step guide on dogstuckthedoor.com. But I've started using that strategy myself with the Rag Muffin of the Month competition, and it's been really, really successful. So it would be really cool to combine, like, the messenger bot strategy with that um, competition strategy. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um (laughs) <laughs> Ian Sim, who Andrew mentioned earlier, uh, he created Nice Chatlets book, um, a course all about Facebook Messenger automation for photographers. Have you started um, doing that? Caitlin? I haven't.
2: I signed up for yet? it. I haven't done it yet. You've done it. Okay.
1: Um, I'm into it. Yeah, I haven't completed it yet. Um, so basically, he's done screencasts and videos, um, walking you through how to set up these Facebook Messenger automation. A bot is what sometimes it's called, um, especially for photographers, and there's lots of strategies and scripts included in that. Anyway, um, Ian and I have been chatting a lot recently um, about how we can combine his course and mine, the um, ebook I put together with the step-by-step strategy to competitions as a marketing strategy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we've created a bundle. So I'll pop all the details on that in the show notes so that I don't just hijack this um this episode with a big sales pitch, but if you're interested, they'll definitely, I'll definitely pop a link in the, in the show notes. Yeah.
2: That's awesome. That's so clever of you. I reckon that'll, that'll tie together really well. Anyway. Yeah. And also we'll put together all the links and the resources that Andrew mentioned as well as his toolbox for success. That'll be in our show notes as well for this episode. So that's season one, episode eight, just pop on over to the petphotographersclub.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero one zero eight. And then next week, we're going to be diving deeper into in-person sales and what Kirsty and I both use, the strategies that we personally use to make the sales that we do. Um, it's in our members only episode. So if you're not a pro member of the Pet Photographers Club already, you can join today and get a 14-day free trial club membership gets you access to our mastermind group on facebook the fortnightly deep dive and q a plus we've got all sorts of exclusive discounts and other awesome things and it's all just ten dollars a month so you can head on over to the pet to find out more um, um. That's everything for today. Thanks so much for tuning
1: in. As always, Caitlin and I wish you all the success in your business. If you're enjoying the podcast, we would definitely love for you to rate and review us on iTunes and to spread the word about the Pet Photographers Club. If you're not already um, following us on social media, we've got a small Facebook page that we've just started and um, Instagram, which is growing pretty rapidly you can also be a feature photographer of the week on our instagram um, just using the hashtag the pet photographers club
2: may your clients be happy your business be successful and the dogs not pee on your camera bag (laughs) (laughs) hi guys bye bye